0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Daily Churn. This is episode four, and today we'll be talking about Swagbucks. So Swagbucks is kind of an interesting topic because I'm definitely by no means an expert. I've been using it for about nine months now, and man, there's just so much happening inside Swagbucks, and it's such a weird platform. Like you're really willing it to be a useful service because there's... Deals on there, you know, that are pretty great, and DOC posts about them all the time. And so, you really want it to work for you. And in some ways, it does. But in other ways, it's such a miss. And it's one of those things where I have a hard time recommending it to anyone who isn't super dedicated to this hobby. And even like for this podcast, I wasn't sure if I really wanted to go into it, but it's just been. It's been such an interesting experience that I I guess I'm just going to share my beginner's take on the things I've learned about it so far. And if you've been using Swagbucks since I just Googled this, they've been around since 2008, you know, and you have like decades worth of experience on Swagbucks and you have additional insight on how some of these things like their customer service and their offers are working, definitely share with me and others. In the comments, because I'd love to hear exactly what is going on behind the scenes at Swagbucks. And so, if you've never logged into Swagbucks or created an account, it's kind of overwhelming. You make one and then you're transported back into some era of the internet where I, I don't even know if it's like the interface is not super modern, right? But it's not like it doesn't look like a 1990s website either. But they've just crammed so much crap in there, it feels like an ad marketing department's head had like a nightmare and then it is now realized on a webpage at swagbucks.com when you log in there are 10 if not more completely unrelated things you can do on swagbucks to earn swagbucks there are surveys you can take ranging in time and you'll get x amount of swagbucks you can watch video ads literally just watch ads and you'll get some tiny amount of swag bucks and we're talking like 5 or 6 swag bucks which translates to 5 or 6 cents for 3 to 5 minutes of your time there's mobile games that you can download and play and you get swag bucks for reaching certain levels in those games you can upload receipts and you'll get swag bucks there's Direct offers from companies, and that's what I'm primarily using Swagbucks for you know, like getting 5,000 Swagbucks for signing up for Home Chef or something. And then there's the traditional cashback portal, which, if you're familiar with a Rakuten, it's just you know, you click through and you'll get 2%, 3% cash back at one of the stores you click through. I would say that for the most part, you don't have to worry about any of the other stuff except for the direct offers from companies. And again, if If someone's been using Swagbucks longer than I and has found a lucrative way why these other things are actually good to do, uh, please definitely chime in. But the amount of Swagbucks they're offering, the max I'm seeing is around 100 Swagbucks, which is like a dollar for doing like a hour long survey. So it's really not worth your time. I think the only activity worth doing on Swagbucks is the direct offers. Those are the offers that other companies are essentially paying Swagbucks to have Swagbucks then pay you to do a certain activity, like sign up for a new bank account or sign up for a new meal delivery service. But before we get too deep into that, I wanted to give a bit of a preview for what to expect out of Swagbucks so that you can decide if this is even something that you'd want to try and figure out. With Swagbucks right now... My use case for it is myself and my wife, my P2, we accumulate just enough swag bucks that we have enough of a balance that each month we can redeem essentially, I believe it's 2,100 swag bucks for $25 worth of Amazon gift cards. And so I do that as well as my wife. And so that ends up being $50 every month that we get in essentially free Amazon credits. And for us, the reason why we do it this way is that it seems to be the most reward, least amount of effort way of doing Swagbucks. I think there are probably way higher volume users of Swagbucks out there that are doing much more than that. And I'd I'd love to hear some of their tips and experiences. But given the issues I've run into so far with Swagbucks, this seems to be the one the method that has the least amount of headaches for essentially just a free $50 each month on Amazon. So then the question really is a personal one, which is, is this even worth it to you? If you're in P1, P2 mode, it's, what is that, $600 a year? If you're in P1 mode, that's only $300 a year. So is it worth tackling swag bucks for the upside of $300 a year on Amazon? And Yeah, I honestly don't know. Even I am conflicted about it sometimes as well. I think a big part of why I do Swagbucks is that it's a deal. It shows up a lot on DOC and it's hard for me to resist essentially free money. But I feel conflicted about it all the time because $300 is like a bank account somewhere you can open, right? So is all this effort being expended into Swagbucks actually worth the payoff? And uh, I don't know, but I'll, I'll cover... Some of my experiences, and you can hopefully decide for yourself and, and make an educated choice. All right. So, diving into Swagbuck offers. The whole thing is kind of a shame because there's so much potential, I think, with Swagbucks, but it's just implemented so poorly that it turns people off from the sign up all the way through to redemption. And so, we talked a little bit about how the site is difficult to navigate, et cetera. But once you get past that, the first challenge you're going to have when you're redeeming an offer is the fact that a good amount of these offers they post don't actually track, which sort of leads to the question of why are so many of these offers not tracking properly? Obviously, there's the the common mistakes that sometimes people make of not having disabled their ad block or they opened it on one page and went to another, etc. Those Those kind of newbie mistakes, right? But Myself and I would say the majority of people in the DOC comments complaining about offers not tracking, it's not because they had ad block on or they're using the wrong browser tab. We're following the exact steps prescribed, we're clicking through, it's the same browser page, there's no ad block, and yet these offers still don't track. And so what is the deal? So the way it works with a regular cashback portal is they essentially add a tracking cookie when you click through from Swagbucks or Rakuten into another website, like Home Depot. And that tracking cookie tracks the fact that you're on Home Depot and that you've made a purchase at Home Depot. And so cashback is a fairly straightforward thing to track and get credited for. Where it gets complicated with Swagbucks is they're not just tracking that kind of a cashback, they're adding a tracking ID for sure, but they're actually also looking for the completion of Specific events so for example with good rx which is one that both my wife and I have done and both have not successfully tracked is They have a tracking cookie to see that you went to GoodRx to sign up and when you follow that step what shows up in swagbucks is a, a line item in your activity that you visited good rx and There's a little orange icon that says that the credit is pending now, to actually have that credit move from pending into complete, which means the Swagbucks goes into your account, requires Good RX to send data over to Swagbucks to say that you have actually fulfilled a prescription and that you're subscribed. So that kind of info isn't something that can be tracked via your tracking cookie. You know, when you fill out a prescription, You're doing that at your local Safeway, and only GoodRx knows that that's happened. And so GoodRx literally has to send data over to Swagbucks. And that's, I think, where some merchants, some of these partner companies, are not doing a good job, and that's where you're seeing these issues between offers that track and offers that don't track. My guess, just having developed websites before, is that I'd imagine Swagbucks hopefully has like an API. And the companies essentially integrate with that API and automatically when a prescription gets filled on GoodRx, it triggers data to automatically send to Swagbucks through their API that says, hey, so-and-so filled out a prescription. If it's not that advanced, which I mean, honestly, most companies are using APIs at this point, but with Swagbucks being Swagbucks, who knows? There's usually, I'd imagine, a backup method or a more manual way of doing this. Some kind of a, a merchant portal where you, as a merchant, in this case, GoodRx, can go in and upload the data manually about which customers have completed an offer. You know, just as a CSV file or something, right? And that's how Swagbucks determines that an offer is being completed. I think where the cracks in that process are are twofold. One is that potentially, if it is an API, not every company has a competent dev team that is going to be able to use that API properly. And so if that API is not being triggered correctly, but the partner company thinks it is working, and they really have no incentive to like really spend the effort and energy to debug what's happening. right? So marketing guy good RX, was like, hey, Swagbucks is a thing. It's going to help us get new signups. They're like, great. And then they have probably their worst developer, right? Or in some cases, the guy in marketing has to figure this out himself to then use that API and integrate it so that it sends data over. And if it's not working, nobody at GoodRx gives a crap. They don't care. They got the signup. Swagbucks isn't breathing down their neck. because Swagbucks doesn't care. It means less swagbucks being given out. So... In the end, there's just no one who actually, if there was an issue, would take responsibility for that. And assuming it's not an API and someone's manually uploading that, I think you can see where the gaps in that process might be, where someone just uploads it incorrectly, it's the wrong format, or just forgets to do it completely. And when that happens, your swagbucks are going to show impending forever because no one from GoodRx is sending the data over to swagbucks. So the responsibility is really on Swagbucks to work with these companies to make sure they're uploading their data correctly and these offers are posting, but Swagbucks isn't doing that for whatever reason. And probably in the same way that they approach their business, which is all about essentially squeezing money out of people and companies in the form of Swagbucks, they're probably not staffing a lot of people on their technical side or their business account management side or their customer service side. and so whether it's due to a lack of time or a lack of concern, they just don't have people verifying. They have someone in sales onboarding these new companies with these new offers, but they don't have any follow-through to ensure that these offers are then posting correctly. I am looking back over my Swagbucks account and it looks like I've done about 10 or 11 of these offers over the last nine months. So roughly maybe an offer a month. And two out of three of them have tracked correctly. So for me, it looks to be about a 66% rate of these offers actually tracking. And when they track, everything's great. But when they don't track, that's when you have to deal with probably the worst part of Swagbucks, which is their customer service. What I've noticed, because both my wife and I have an account there, is that the very first ticket you submit at Swagbucks, you will get a response extremely quickly and your issue, whatever it is, will be resolved. It's like someone in their marketing or attention department basically said, hey, anytime anyone submits their first ticket, bend over backwards to make sure that issue is resolved. Whether they were right, we were right, who was wrong, none of it matters. Just give them the swag bucks, answer the question quickly, and make sure that that first ticket, they have a great experience. The problem, of course, is with any subsequent tickets. And so my second ticket that I've attempted to submit is for GoodRx, which stayed as pending. It never credited. And I sent in the screenshot along with the dates where my prescription was filled, the fact that I was still subscribed. And 14 days later, I finally got a response back, which was just a canned response that looks like it's straight from just an FAQ help article. And I won't read the whole thing because it's seven paragraphs long. And it essentially details all the ways you could have made a mistake while doing not just their direct offers, but their surveys, their polls, their videos. It is completely just a canned FAQ item response. But here's the first part of it, which is, thank you for writing in about your crediting issue. We sincerely apologize for the inconvenience you have experienced with this activity. Please understand that when the activity does not track, the credit applied to your account is done so as a courtesy. We do not receive any compensation from our partners when credit is applied through submitted tickets and we are unable to retroactively receive credit even if proof of activity completion is provided. Be aware that even though we have honoured the credits in the past, we will be unable to provide manual credits through submitted tickets every time you submit. We will review each time and determine based on the investigation. Before submitting a ticket in the future, please make sure that your activity is eligible for credit and make sure that all crediting delays are being met. The next part goes into the specifics of there are different features like shopping, offers, surveys, and things you can do to ensure that those track correctly. But nowhere in any of that response is there any kind of uh, an action that you can take to resolve it. You know, It's just like, hey, make sure you did all these things for the offers, which, yes, I did do all of those things. That's why I'm reaching out to you because my offer hasn't credited. And they keep it intentionally vague about like, your offer may not be credited every time you submit a ticket. Okay, great. So is this one of the times you're going to credit me? And it's like, based on the outcome of the investigation. Okay, cool. So are you guys going to then investigate this ticket? So the idea of this, I think, is just to provide a wall of text that's just confusing enough while providing a little bit of information that hopefully you don't follow up. So then, of course, I replied back and gave even more documentation and details about why I'm eligible to receive this offer and please escalate and do an investigation. That was a month ago, no response. 19 days ago, I sent another ticket being like, hey, any updates on this investigation? Again, no response. Then this is where things get interesting. So a week ago, I submitted a new ticket for the issue where I referenced the old ticket and just said, hey, I didn't get a response on the first ticket, but please escalate this issue and investigate it. And here's all the documentation and here's all the the stuff and the dates where I met the offer requirements, all of that good stuff. And within, let's see how many minutes, within 26 minutes, I received the exact same response that I got on the first ticket, the boilerplate, seven paragraph long of being like, hey, thank you for writing in about your crediting issue. We apologize, blah, blah, blah. Please understand when activity does not track, it's done so as a courtesy, blah, blah, blah. So exact same ticket, which made me wonder if maybe the fact that I'd referenced the first ticket's ID in my second ticket and it automatically hyperlinked that ID to the first ticket so I wondered if their customer service software, I think they're using Zendesk, is providing some kind of like automated workflow where if you reference the first ticket, they'll just automatically respond back with the response they gave on your first ticket. So I figured, okay, let me just try submitting another ticket and this time not referencing the first ticket ID. Unfortunately, exact same thing happened. Uh, about 30 minutes later, I got the exact same canned response back. And finally, I thought maybe it was because I was submitting to a specific department. It was the shopping promotions department. And maybe they were just short-staffed and sending automated responses to every ticket. So let me try a different department. And so I selected some other random apart- departments. And spit in my issue and in the ticket I said, are there humans reviewing these tickets or only automated canned responses? I'm requesting a human investigation into this crediting issue. And of course, about 20 minutes later, I got the exact same automated canned response. So there's only two possible scenarios in which this is happening, which is one, I was really unlucky that night and all of the tickets were going to one single person and that single person was fed up with me submitting tickets and just sending a canned response back, which would imply that they have literally only one person on their customer support team, which wouldn't be surprising, but I'm thinking that's not the case. Then the second, probably more likely option is that they've flagged my account after my first ticket. Once you submit one ticket with Swagbucks, your account now is in a state where any subsequent tickets receive this automated response. I'm looking forward to kind of testing that theory out a little bit because on my wife's account, the GoodRx credit has also not posted. So I think it's we're about a week away from her account having that credit due, and I'd imagine it's not going to post automatically. So I'm kind of excited to submit a ticket on her account and see if we end up getting the exact same thing, because there's a couple fringe possibilities too, where maybe it's a GoodRx thing, they're fed up of getting GoodRx tickets, if you look on DOC the majority of people have not had their good RX posted and no one's responded to their tickets. I feel like the people who have had their credits posted correctly and, and they mention it on DOC being like, hey, they've credited me, it could have been their first ticket at Swagbucks because as we know, their first ticket goes through totally smoothly. So to say the least, the whole thing has just been extremely frustrating. You know, spending, I don't know how much time thinking about it and then also submitting four separate tickets for this issue and then tracking when good rx is supposed to post and you got to remember when you do these offers to of course take screenshots of everything because they may ask for that like some basket i think they wanted pictures of your first box's shipping label as proof that it arrived so you got to make sure you read the fine print save copies of everything and Still, it's a roll the dice kind of a thing as to whether or not you're going to actually get the credit, even though you have all of the proof. Because if they just don't respond to your tickets, there's really not much else you can do. I think the the natural tendency, especially with folks like us who churn credit cards as well, is that, hey, let's go to like CPFB, which is the Consumer CFPB, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. And they're usually pretty good with contacting banks to get your bonus posted. So there's like a temptation to do that. And I've seen comments where people are like, yeah, I submitted a CFPB complaint. And then months later, I finally got my Swagbucks. I would just not recommend doing that at all unless you're ready for Swagbucks to close down your account. Because hand in hand with that, there's also a lot of reports of Swagbucks randomly shutting down people's accounts. And they are very allergic to things that cost them money and cost them potentially reputation. And so even if you win your CFPB complaint, you're at their mercy and it's at their whim whether or not they decide to shut down your account. I'm generally pretty cautious with how I even use Swagbucks because they're so trigger happy with shutting down accounts because I have my account, but my wife has hers. And during signup, I had an issue being able to actually create an account for her on my computer. And then I remember reading some comments about how they don't want to see any kind of gaming, but they don't want to see that you have multiple accounts at Swagbucks and you're taking advantage of them that way. And so what we actually now do, so that there's no conflicting IP addresses or cookies being shared that might trigger them to think that me and my wife are the same person and we're just trying to do an offer twice, I only visit my Swagbucks on my computer and I only visit my wife's Swagbucks on my wife's computer because I'm so worried about them actually just shutting down our accounts because of what they perceive or may perceive as gaming. So with all of that in mind, I guess you may just be wondering why even use Swagbucks. What's the point? You know what what are we getting out of it that justifies this amount of work? And for me, what I realized is that it's a mentality thing about how you approach Swagbucks. You, you can't go at it like you would tackle bank bonuses or credit card bonuses, you know, where you're trying to like maximize as many of them as possible and you're trying to do as many of them as, as you can at a time. I think because Swagbucks is inherently such a frustrating platform. The way to go about it is kind of a more zen approach, I think, which is just accept that a good third of the offers you do on Swagbucks is not going to track. So keep that in mind when you pick an offer. And DOC is sort of your Bible when it comes to figuring out which offers to tackle. You know, he posts a lot of them, even the ones that don't track. And so it's really important to read the comments. And if it looks like most of the people in the comments are having issues with Swagbucks not tracking... Very good chance your swag bucks aren't going to track. So, if you're a new swag bucker and you have a first ticket in you, then it doesn't really matter, right? Because you know that first ticket, they're going to resolve it. So, hey, go for it. But if you've done more than one ticket with swag bucks, then you probably don't want to tackle that offer because you're probably not going to get the swag bucks. That was a mistake I made with GoodRx, but at the time I didn't know, but hey, now you know. So have that kind of an approach where you review the comments religiously to make sure whether or not it's going to post. And if most people are saying it posts well, like one that was amazing was actually eToro. eToro was a crypto trading app and that offer, the comments people were saying, oh yeah, after you deposit $200, the swag bucks will post within like an hour or two. I was sort of skeptical, but I tried it and same here, mine posted within an hour or two. So the takeaway here is really just to read the comments and don't be tempted by simply the high amount of Swagbucks being offered. My wife's one when she signed up for GoodRx was $200 of swag bucks. So we thought we'd take a chance because, hey, it's $200 of Swagbucks, right? That's a high amount of reward for the potential effort. But looking back, given the fact that the majority of the comments were like, hey, it's not posting, we shouldn't have done it. But you live and you learn if you approach it with this kind of more laissez-faire attitude where if it posts, it posts. If it doesn't, it doesn't. At most, I'll submit one ticket just to see what happens. Then you probably end up doing maybe just one, maybe two offers a month. And assuming half of those offers actually post, you're looking at 5000 to 10000 Swagbucks a month, like $50 to $100. It's not a ton, but one thing that's nice on Swagbucks is they have a monthly redemption offer. Usually when you redeem your swag bucks, 1000 swag bucks is $10. And so $25 would be 2500 swag bucks. Once a month, you're able to redeem 2100 swag bucks. So usually $21 for a $25 gift card. And so what I do is each month that refreshes and I redeem 2100 swag bucks for a $25 Visa gift card. And then it takes another five or six days for the Visa gift card to be sent over to your account. And then once you have that, for me, I just reload my Amazon account with $25 and my wife does the same. And so we end up with essentially $50 of Amazon credit each month. Keep in mind, if it's your first time redeeming one of these gift cards, for me, Swagbucks actually sent me a a paper Code in the mail for me to verify I am who I am. Like, they were just super strict about any kind of gaming, which makes sense because, you know, their whole platform really is about gaming for swag bucks. So they attract a certain crowd. And so their verification protocols are, are similar to that. For my wife's account, she didn't have to do it via paper. I think she was able to verify just by email. So I don't know if that's a thing they changed or if I just got extremely unlucky. But just keep in mind that they do have some more stringent checks. But yeah, if you just kind of taper back your goals with Swagbucks and set it around that $25 a month level, then it becomes a pretty chill process to get enough Swagbucks into your account that you're able to redeem for $25 every month. Right now, I've got 32,000 Swagbucks, which if I just went in and redeemed it all, it would be $320 in a Visa gift card. But The nice part is I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do the monthly thing. And so when that 32000 Swagbucks starts going lower, I'll probably just do another offer and just kind of bump up that balance. There's probably some wisdom too in just not having a massive balance at Swagbucks. And so if there were a week or a month where a ton of great offers were being posted on DOC and everyone was saying that the crediting, tracking, was going super smoothly, then I'd probably take those offers on and if my balance got over, let's say five hundred dollars, I'd probably redeem two three hundred dollars of that just to kind of bring that balance down because again, Swagbucks is just so unpredictable in in the sense that I don't know if they're gonna shut down my account at some point in the future. I don't expect it because I'm not doing anything weird. I'm not filing CPFB complaints against them, even though they totally deserve it. I'm not going on to Better Business Bureau and Putting comments there, you know? So I'm hoping my account's safe. But again, I, I wouldn't trust it to hold a ton of money that I wouldn't be comfortable losing. So yeah, that's it for Swagbucks. I think my goal here wasn't to convince you to use it, as you can tell, nor to totally dissuade you from using it. I and my wife both use it. You just have to, I think, have the right expectations going in. And obviously, I think everyone has different ways of using it. And I, I would be very interested in hearing how other people do it and how they make it work for them. But I think maybe in the future when I've used it more and maybe other people have input on how they use it, there could be an update to this episode. But for now, hopefully it's something that could be useful for you if you're also a newbie (laughs) at Swagbucks. And yeah, I will talk to you guys next time.